Hello and welcome to Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, the interview podcast where we talk to funny people to find out what makes them laugh. So we'll speak to comedians, actors, authors, academics, award winners, sports people, you name it, and we'll find out from them what they find funny and how humour and comedy has influenced their work. So it might get serious from time to time, hey? Why not, hey? But at the end of the day, we'll always come back to the funny. So sit back, relax, put your feet up and enjoy this week's episode of Pull Back Reveal. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to this episode 17 of Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, and today's special guest, Mr. Eddie Brimson. Now, Eddie is a one-off. I'm pretty confident to say that, really, and uh, let me just run you through this guy's backstory and CV to let you know my thinking behind coming to that conclusion. Now, he is obviously an accomplished stand-up comedian. He gigs as a headliner all over the UK, he gigs all over the world. He is also an author that's written seven books. He is a documentary maker, he's an actor, he's appeared in such shows as uh, Ab Fab, EastEnders. Oh, in EastEnders, by the way, he was the guy that torches Frank Butcher's car lot. I know, enough said, all right. <laughs> he's also appeared in feature films, he is a playwright. And that's something new that we'll we'll get to talking about with him uh, for a show, one of the two shows that he's got up at this year's Edinburgh Festival. And he is also a TV presenter as well. So covering an awful lot of bases of the creative world. And yeah, that's fairly unique, I guess, to do that, but maybe not completely unique to have covered so much. However, add into the mix that Eddie Brimson is also a reformed former football hooligan so his backstory where he's come from uh to build up what is an an amazing career uh to be honest with you and everything that this guy does is of such a high standard he's clearly absolutely dedicated to his art he is obviously really really hard working and clearly mega intelligent as well he, he gets it you know he's someone who comes across at least as being hugely self-aware if that makes sense you know he, he's really aware of himself but also really aware of what it takes to create things that work that people are going to like and yeah when we get around to talking about one show in particular that he's doing at Edinburgh this year that has most definitely been the case and again you won't be too surprised to learn that it's the first time that Eddie's ever done anything like that as well, uh, which is really quite remarkable. So we have a, a lovely, lovely chat uh, all about his past. We touch a bit on the football hooligan stuff. I, I thought it would be remiss of me not to bring it up slightly, but we quickly move on to talk about his career, different elements of the stuff that he's done, and then we get round to Edinburgh. We talk about his shows, obviously, but we also talk about reviewers, 
um, and people receiving reviews up at the Ed Fringe and we talk about his kind of advice to people of how they want to be focusing the what the best way to approach a, a festival and in particular the edinburgh one and, and what you should be looking to get out of it so there's a lot here for a lot of people i think uh, some great advice given if you're a stand-up comedian on the first few rungs of the ladder at the moment some some amazing advice and uh yeah his ethos his approach and stuff it he just sounds good he's a great talker a really interesting guy i'm sure you're gonna absolutely love this episode so for now i'll see you again at the end but sit back relax put your feet up and enjoy the inspirational eddie brimson in conversation so i am joined now by eddie brimson hello eddie hello mate how you doing yeah i'm really well thank you how are you yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, up at the festival, obviously. Having a great time. Loving it. Yeah, so let's um, sort of date stamp this. Where are we today? Are we third week now, aren't we? Definitely third yeah, week. It's, yeah, it's the third week. It's, we're just starting the third one. The final week, we're on the last bush. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it the last Sunday for the stand-up. Yes, of course it will be. Yeah, blooming yeah. heck. It's been a long festival, this one. I mean, because I'm, I'm doing two things here, as you know. I'm doing, I started in July. You know, I started the 31st of July, so it's been a, it, this festival has been a long one. But um, but then all of a sudden you, you're here and it's the last week and it's like, oh. Yeah, obviously you, you mentioned what you, you're up to at the uh, the festival really briefly there, which which we'll get into. But you've probably kind of been, of all my guests that I've had, the one of the hardest ones to sort of do some research and put a structure together for, <laughs> for, the, for the chat because we've got stand-up comedian, um, which obviously has taken you all over the world and, you know, great reputation and, and the, all the big clubs that you play for that. Um, you got your acting, which for a lot of people, that would have been enough, you know, like Silent Witness and EastEnders and, you know, you got to torch Frank's car lot. You know, for some people, <laughs> that that would be enough. Wouldn't you go, job done, I can... I can put that to bed, but you know, on top of that, documentary maker with um, your stuff that you've done on football hooliganism, uh-huh. author of seven books. If that's up to date, you might have gone beyond that now. Uh-huh. TV presenting, you're a playwright as well. So yeah, I guess that's my, my new. first. Oh, that's new. I guess my first question is like. What are you, Eddie? <laughs> um, I'm a stand-up comedian. That's what I am. Uh, that's what I did. The writing stuff, all the acting stuff was way back when. Um, I, I was Originally, I was a graphic designer, I'm in business, then got into being very politically active on stuff. Uh, spent a good few years on that, sort of uh, mainly animal rights stuff. I was very, very high into that in a big way. And I got to quite a press officer at the National Anti-Hunting Campaign. And then after that, there was some, some issues with that, um, with the police. Uh, which was quite fruity at the time, and um, under surveillance by my five for six months, and then crashing through the door. Uh, so that put an end to that. Um, and then I got into a bit of acting, but it was the, the acting I did back then was only bit parts because uh, because I used to do a lot of martial arts, and I was the, no back then I had a shaved head when no people did, um, so I got a lot of good parts like the Frank Butcher Carlot thing and other stuff, bits and bobs in EastEnders, but they're only really tiny parts. Got you. Um, so acting-wise, never really done a great deal until a couple of years ago. I did a film with Brighton, a full-length film, which was which went down really well. A film called City of Dreamers. Um, right. But after, yeah. Then I started writing because I'm a big massive football fan, 
and um, to, to, um, just as the England was hosting Euros, um, decided to write a book when Sky were coming in to take over football. They're trying to change the face of football. And um, we, my brother and I, who I wrote with at the time, said that the actual fans would go week in, week out, aren't being represented here. And the reality of going to football and what Sky sell you on football is very different. So we started writing books on it. Um, back in the day, I was, I was involved in the, the hooligan and, hooliganism side of things and I understood how it worked. Yeah, and the myths behind it that it was people from certain backgrounds only. Um, we kind of wanted to just dispel that that people from all all walks of life came at it. I was a graphic designer with my own business. My brother was a sergeant in the RAF, and we were, you know, we were both involved in it. And we sort of shattered that myth that it was just oiks, working class people. And we had to we tried to explain that if you want to deal with this situation, you have to understand why people are involved and what type of people are involved. And um, then we just opened up this whole sort of genre of books on that sort of um, in that. But um, yeah, yeah. So do, that, do, do you mind if I? I yeah, I'll, I'll just sort of um, two-footed challenge you there and sort of jump in on that bit. If that's all right, mate. Yeah, because um, uh, I hadn't really. Obviously, uh, yeah, I knew of that past from researching you, and you know, it's well talked about, and people sort of know that about you, don't they? That that's sort yeah. of a, a former life for you almost is probably the way I'd describe it just on the uh-huh. way that I've been, been reading about it. It's probably a, a lot of how you think about it yourself. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was all a long time ago. Now. Was it, uh, that was the eighties really. Yeah. Cause normally obviously, and we will get to this question as well as hackers it is, but it's sort of one of the most interesting ones when you speak into comedians of how did you get into it? But I guess I've sort of just for my own personal selfish interest, like, how then, from those backgrounds that that you and your brother had, did you kind of fall into not just you know partaking, but where I guess you'd you've described yourself as it, you know, of sort of describing yourself as a, a, a hooligan? You know, how do you fall into that world then? Um, well, um, back in the day, I mean, we're talking late seventies, early eighties, when all, all that stuff was rife back then, and um, I started going to football with my. Uh, my mates older brothers they were sort of into it and um you just kind of get dragged into it in a a little way and it's the first time when you're a young lad it's kind of that first thing every young lads look look to want they want to be part of something they want to belong to something and they look up to people and obviously our our role models probably weren't the best but um you know it's the first time you're away from home from your parents you're out with other lads you're having a drink and and you just fall into it and the other thing is it was very exciting you know, this this is something, you know, there's a real buzz off that, um, of being away and, and fronting. And and there, as a young lad, you're finding out who you are and what, you, what you're about. And it was just the way that I was, you know. There was a, I got pulled into it very easily. But it, it, ultimately, it, it was fucking fun. It was good yeah. fun, you know. And, um, and it was exciting times. Trying not to get beaten up every weekend, <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, I, I get, yeah, there will be that like anything that sort of is that potent like you said potentially you're going to get mm. the shit kicked out of you at some point mm. there's going to be some sort of chemical reaction within you you know the adrenaline and everything else you know mm. isn't there that's going on so and i guess it's similar in a way then to stand-up comedy of, well, maybe. Uh, like why would why would <laughs> anyone do something that fucking stupid who would be crazy enough to do, do that and i, I guess I the, did and, and I did get, you know, I did get a, a, an idea, a proper idea, my skull fractured and all that, and I had knives pulled on me, which was, that, that's when I started getting out of it, when it was all that, it was getting to that level, because I didn't mind the tear up, but I was never going to get involved at that level, you know, but um, 
but yeah the stand up for me is very different i fell into it because i'd written the books and um i'd had enough i got to the point where i can only write so much on it and it was for other people to write about their clubs how they viewed it da, da, da. and um my background is my dad was a folk singer um and he brought up six kids on it uh well my mum brought up six kids but he pulled the money in and um so well, that's the 70s early 70s i was around people like uh jasper carrot billy Connolly, mike harding you know all these comedians my dad was an incredible storyteller so right. i think that's where i got this from and um I'm so not an were, actual, the, were those those guys, sorry, part of like the actual social circle then of like for your dad? Yeah, I'd see them. At, I'd see them at festivals. Yeah, I'd see them at festivals. But Carrot, just for Carrot, my dad's really encouraged my Carrot to, to 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 do it. He used to run a club in Birmingham called the Boggery, and uh, he'd get up and do bits. But he was funny with it, and my dad pushed him to go pro, and then he went pro, and obviously Carrot went kaboom. No, but they were people that we'd see at the big festivals like Cambridge, and when Dad'd go on tour in the summer up north or down in Cornwall. And it was a really good life. And he was a very funny bloke, my dad, but an incredible storyteller. And I think that's where I got that side of things from. But I never, ever in, a wild, in my wildest dreams thought I'd be a comic or wanted to be a comic. Because I think a lot of comics might um, say the same thing. I, with my friends, I'm not the funny one in my, in my circle of friends. You know, yeah. When I started comedy, they, they all said the same thing. You're not funny. But it's a different well, it's a different thing to going on stage than it is to being funny in the pub. As you know, we all know that. Um, and and what it is a friend of mine just gave me a leaflet taking the taking the piss of a comedy course, and I thought, oh, I'll go and try it. And I went and did it. Uh, the first gig went well, and then the second gig was an absolute disaster because the first right. gig I had friends in, so they're on my side. The second gig was a absolute shocker a place called the purple turtle in london which a lot of comics will know and uh, it's in my makeup to just go i've got to do that again to prove that i wasn't crap the first time yeah. that's just the way i'm that's just the way i'm made up and um luckily i was in a position where i could have a go at it because i was getting some money off the books not not a lot but enough to keep going i could still do a bit of graphics and, it, and that enabled me to go to travel to places like plymouth for 20 quid off Jeff Whiting on a Tuesday uh, and not have to worry about it. And then yeah. slowly but surely the odd break came and um, I managed to just just wing it on the odd break and and that was it. It was a way. Very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing with comics, isn't it, how many sort of parallels there are between all of the sort of start-up stories. Um, you know, obviously there's some quite very, di- you know, you, you get the extremes, don't you? You know, of people under sort of really obscure kind of circumstances that starting out. But um, it, I think, I don't know why, but it always surprises me how many it was a course that sort of gave you the final kickstart, you know, to, to get into it. I was speaking to um, Jojo Sutherland not too long ago and uh, for her as well, it, it was kind of very similar. You know, she did a course first of all and sort of, then went through that thing of we sort of discussed it with her in depth but you know that bit of snobbery that you get on the circuit of people that have done comedy courses and that kind of thing you know that you mm. you come across from time to time i'd imagine with you eddie you maybe you didn't get so much of it <laughs> you didn't hear too much what i did get a lot of snobbery and it was it was quite weird because you do get a lot of cliques i'm not one for cliques i'm not one i don't really play the game i never have done i find that difficult like here at edinburgh to go in and 
hanging around the, the loft bar or the abattoir. I just can't do that because I feel everything's a bit false. And um, But I did get a lot of snobbery for people with, with regards to the football. You know, everyone right. is just a who's a football hooligan, who's a football hooligan, you know, and and all that stuff was a good, like I say, that in the mid eighties or late eighties, and it was nine, it was ninety ninety nine when I first ever tried a gig. But people do like to pigeonhole you, and I did get a bit of snobbery off that from from certain cliques. What you know, and and that was quite weird at the beginning, um, but I didn't hang around really those people. I just picked and chose the gigs that I needed to do. Uh, that I knew would move me forward. So I wasn't out doing tryout spots every night because it was just like, well, these are the same people I'm playing in front of, just other comics. It's pointless. But um, Yeah, but it is there. It definitely is there. But if I hadn't done that course, there's no way I would uh, would be sitting there talking to you now. Not a chance. Right. And, yeah, it's funny then, isn't it? So you probably had certain sections of the the, the stand-up community then who were kind of making judgments about you because of the hooligan thing uh, that was possibly then even class-based as well you know of it being like oh you know that like you said right at the start of kind of people have this misapprehension or you know you know they're assuming incorrectly that it's only people from a certain type of background that would be hooligans and obviously yeah yeah, within within comedy there is sort of those you you do still see it now i think it's starting to get a little bit a little bit cloudier thank thankfully you know of sort of those those class divides but um you know you speak to some comics and and you know um yeah they'd be sort of adamant you know that it's sort of out there and can still hold you back and uh, and everything as well but but I, I do like the almost the the analogy that there is between that sort of the way of falling into hooliganism and the way to move and you know fall into stand-up as well because you know <laughs> it is pretty much like you were saying that you know, oh, you know, I was just in a pub one night and it was going on in the corner and someone asked me if I wanted to have a go and uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go, mate. I'll, I'll join in. <laughs> yeah. And you get that buzz. And, and, and once that, that buzz has got older, equal- you've had it. Oh, that could, those exact words could equally describe becoming a football hooligan or becoming a stand-up comedian, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I I get that, you know, the, the, the buzz of it and getting drawn in and then the you go once and then you sort of yeah of course you're going to turn up next weekend because of the that that buzz and the thrill that you you got from it first time round nah. um so so how long was it then after sort of these those early gigs and things that you were doing that you sort of felt that you were a comedian you, you know you'd sort of describe yourself as that to people um when i realized i was earning enough money to pay the bills and the rent or the mortgage at the time and then i was you know and that's all i was doing all my focus was on going and you know traveling anywhere to get as much stage time as possible i was getting paid regular i was doing regular weekends and and it's all of a sudden i could cut off it took about i'd say about two and a half years for me to actually say right i'm a full-time pro comic now and it was an incredible moment it was when that happened and i think the biggest moment of my career and i know a lot of people there was there's a whole movement about slagging off jonglers but when jonglers were great and they were great back in the day you know you'd be on a bill and you would be on a bill with Lee Mack, uh, Mickey Flanagan, uh, Michael McIntyre. These are the people who used to do jonglers back then. You know, they, they were big. And then my first, I remember being at Camden uh, and asked to close Camden for the first time. 
Right. And wow. Yeah. Big at moment. At the end of it, it was an incredible moment. And at the end of it, I said, and it took a long time. I think it was. It was I remember it well. It was eight years to get to that point to headline Camden, and it, and that was a big deal. You know, you're closing one of the biggest comedy clubs in the country. And at the end of it, I'd, it had gone well because I was buzzed up to, you know, more than you believe. And at the end of it, I said to them, ladies and gentlemen, eight, eight years ago, I come in this room and watched a comedy gig. And I thought if ever I could get on that stage and do that, what a life achievement that would be. And tonight is the first time I've ever closed this gig. And as one, they stood up and clapped me and it was just like, ah, what a moment that was. Yeah, you know, and because they were just like fucking fair play to you, mate. Fucking fair play, yeah. And that, and that was that was one of the greatest moments I've had as a stand up. Incredible. And then they sold the Regents in, and it all went tits up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, unfortunately, no more moments like that for no, anyone no, else in, in, no. in future as well. But but no, look, look, that's an incredible way, and you clearly talk about it. So you know, with real sort of emotion and and heart in it. And uh, yeah, any comedian listening to this and i know from my crappy standard that i was doing you know those kind of moments that you have of um yeah on stage where it's just planets aligning or however you want to describe it of one of those moments of like fuck yeah this is why i do this you know th- this is what it is so yeah you, you you've clearly got within you for everything that you've done like so many different routes and and from what i can see as well done like achieved in all of those angles as well. So you're clearly really fucking smart, but I, I don't know, is it fair to say that that's sort of equal or, or at least equaled by a sort of this hunger that you've got that whatever you're doing, it is going to be good. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, well, it's very kind of you to say that. Um, I, I think there's a, just a desire. I do take, Without sounding wanky about it, I've always had this thing about stand-up. It's an incredible responsibility you have as a comedian. Um, I get incredibly nervous before gigs, always have done, which is good for me because it means that it means something. I've got to go on there and deliver. And I think it is important because you remember, these people, the people you go and stand in front of have worked all week. And this is their night out. And there there is a responsibility to deliver and try and give them people the best possible night out. So it, so you've got to try and be the best you possibly can. Doesn't always work. Clearly, you know, it doesn't always work. But you, there's an immense responsibility to be about stand up. It's not just about you being on stage. It is about those people who've come here and this is their night out. And sometimes it's not cheap, you know. So yeah, you've got. I, I do try to be the best I can at it. Um, I could work a bit harder, that's for sure. But. Um, you know, it is, uh, yeah, it is important. I do, and I do try and work hard. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think that's often forgotten almost, as daft as it seems. But I guess it's mm. because stand-up is such a, at times, a bit of a lonely fucking furrow that you're plowing, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's really insular because you're the product, you're the creator, you're the, very often, even for guys at the top of the games, you bloody managing yourself as good as you know uh, Mm -hmm. still booking gigs still setting up this that and the other as well that it's yeah i guess it's it's quite easy to forget those those really important words that you just said of it is actually about the audience at the end of the day Mm because you probably get this as well you don't really hear comics talk about that too often do you you never you know they're not green room conversations of like no one ever says oh are the crowd enjoying it it's always like 
how was it how was it for you mate kind of thing which i get but the emphasis is shifted towards the the eye isn't it rather than kind of the the crowd at times yeah yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and that it's very true, mate. It's very it, it does it does get forgotten, you know. And I, but it's understandable because of the nature of the business. It's a it's an incredibly strange business when you think about it. We're standing up; the people are paying to hear us talk. It's a really it's a very very strange business when when you step back from it. That these people actually come and seek you out, and then you just get up in front of them and stand and you talk to them. Obviously, you know, obviously trying to make them laugh clearly. But it's a very strange business that we live in. That we've, we're so egotistical that we think people want to come out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. And it, it it's almost, a, a, as a comic, a wormhole that you want to stay away from, isn't it? That Because mm. if you start overthinking that a bit too much, I think that's the sort of like madness lies at the end of that part, isn't it? You know, sort of <laughs> analysing too much of like, why are they listening to me? And, you know, why would they yeah. come and hear these words? And why am I thinking this while I'm on stage and I'm meant to be, yeah. <laughs> I often yeah, it, say that. I often say that to crowds. If, if there's something weird and they're just looking at me that I do weird bit, I go, "What do you think I know? What I'm doing? I don't know what I'm doing. What, I don't even know why you're here." You know, it's funny. It's funny sometimes. Yeah, it is. And and from like the audience perspective, looking back as well, like audience kind of opinions of comedians is, is just as baffling. Really, you know, it's almost at times like like you're not considered a real person or a real human being. Oh, you know, it's like... They're not slowing telling you when they don't like it. That's for sure. Yeah, very they're, true. They're, they're... <laughs> so yeah. To... I mean, the other thing is with comics, I don't think, I can't think of another industry where you are that, um, you are that analysed that quickly. If it's no. not working, it's not working. It, it can be brutal, you know. So there, there is that you have to, you have to develop a very, very thick skin very quickly. Oh yeah. If, if when I go into work tomorrow, you know, there's no way if if Kelly loads the paper into the photocopier the wrong way that I can start calling her a wanker across the room. Or, uh, <laughs> You're not going. Yeah. You're a wanker. You've ruined my week. <laughs> get get out the office. You, you're rubbish. <laughs> not even put the paper in the right. The letter I had a woman. It's all printed upside down. You tosser. Yeah. <laughs> I had a woman stand up in the in the stand up gig here the other day. Um, I've never had this before ever. A woman about twenty minutes in, sitting with another about sixty, sitting with another woman, just stood up and she went, "I don't need to listen to another word you've got to say." And I went, "It's really stupid." I've got excuse me. And she went, "I just don't want to hear another word that's co- going to come out of your mouth." <laughs> And she walked out. And then wow. the maid got up and walked out. And then four other people said, actually, we're going to leave now and go to to the tattoo. And I went, well, why did you come in if you know you're leaving? And I went, yeah. oh, well, we've just got to go. And they went as well. <laughs> I was like, fucking, fucking hell. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that is pretty brutal. But I still I... can't work out what I said. I still can't. I was thinking about it. I still can't work out what I said to make her have that reaction. <laughs> Well, let, let, let's get on to your, your, your stand-up there. That's a, cheers, mate. You've done me the favour of not having to get my, <laughs> my crowbar out then, so that was, that was handy. So you've got, you've got two shows up at Edinburgh this year. Um, uh-huh. and let, let's look at the, the stand-up one for, first of all then. So that is Life Coaching for Arseholes. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know why she was expecting not to be offended <laughs> uh, with that show title potentially anyway. It's actually the 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 premise of the show. It's a very uplifting show. I, I've never been my style. I don't like um, 
I don't like seeing people getting battered in, by comedians because it is their weekend out and, I, and yeah. to make someone feel uncomfortable or bad. I've never liked that. The show, when I come to Edinburgh, I'm a very scripted comic when I'm away from Edinburgh. So when I do the, f- f- um, the festival, I like to free myself up and I do some really total weird shit. Um, I ended last year in a white suit with a gas mask on and a stick with a baby Donald Trump on the top and then I climb out the window. You know, I can't do that for 20 minutes at a club in Scunthorpe on Thursday. But I like to really experiment here. And um, <clears throat> so it's a very different type of show I do at Edinburgh. And it's it's just uh, fantastic. I, I love this festival. This has been the best festival I've had as well. Fantastic fun. So, yeah, just to sort of, um, yeah, separate out the the um, the, the stand-up show like from, from the other stuff then, because... Yeah, the reactions that I've been reading to it online has been like fantastic. You know, people saying s- some amazing stuff about your your stand up show on its own. And oh, I haven't kind of, seen any of that. I haven't seen any of it. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll copy you into some bits, mate. That I've uh, been hunting out on the uh, the web myself oh, this morning. Nice. I'll buzz them over nice. to you, man. So, but it's it's interesting to hear that because again, I've I think you are. I'm not even exaggerating. You'll be the fiftieth comic that I've spoken to. That's uh-huh. at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, uh-huh. So fa- thank you for t- getting me to my half century, mate. Appreciate that. That's no worries, mate. Um, <laughs> you should be playing for England. What you do with you? In the well, oh God, we could do today. Jesus. Yeah, it's a scary times there. But um, it's, it's so fascinating for me. And this is, I, I guess, why I love comedy so much of the different approaches to it. And especially like out in the club circuit, there's enough different approaches. But definitely when it comes to festival time of year as well. So uh-huh. I've, I've spoken to some guys who are pretty much, it, it's a, and, and this, sorry, I'll put this caveat in before I say this as well of, I, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. And, you know, and you'll be, a, you know, saying exactly the same thing. You know, that's mm-hmm. a great thing about a fringe is you go there and do whatever the fuck you want to do. There's, <laughs> you know, but you do have some people that go and it's kind of a, a greatest hit show. You have mm-hmm. others who will go, and it's very much a theme, a story, a narrative that they'll mm-hmm. go there with, which obviously then is probably very different to what their club circuit is as well. Um, and then potentially maybe even a, a step further, like the, the kind of thing then that you're doing this year as well, of just, you know, you want it to be completely removed from, from what, you're, you know, mm-hmm. what you're doing out on the circuit as well. For, even for you, you're sort of, you're standing within the comedy circuit and, you know, the size clubs that you play and everything else. When you go to a festival like Edinburgh, then with your stand up, what is it that you're looking to to achieve from it? Is there like an end goal at all? Well, uh, it, it, things changed for me quite dramatically up here about three years ago. I started to go and watch people like Spencer Jones, Paul Curry, Seymour Mace, and I saw what that they were doing, and I, I realised that was the stuff that's really making me laugh. Right, the stuff that's weird and off the wall and. It's just about making people leave thinking the world's a better place, which might sound wanky. But when you watch a show like one of theirs and they end it by saying, look, if we just had a bit more fun and you think fucking, yeah, yeah, totally. That's what this is meant to be about. And so they changed my mentality with the, do you know what? Go and do some of the shit that makes you laugh at home. Make it bigger. Go and take it into a club. See if it works at a festival. And um, don't get me wrong, I do I do a fair chunk of stuff that I would take out on the circuit, um, but I just pepper it with some weird shit. Where it's yeah, a, and then and people look at that 
one of the weird things that happens, is, and it's one of the greatest things for me that people say, when I walk on, I'm suited and booted when I walk on. I've got a shaved head and a beard. I look like I do. Um, but I'm not an aggressive comic in any way, shape or form. But they always say to me, when you come on, the last thing we expect you to do is put a crash helmet on and strap a pizza box to your front and go <laughs> running around the room. And then yeah. you go back into kind of something normal. So they don't know where it's going. And that to me is fucking great because they yeah. keep focused. They keep focused and they go with you and they'll let you get away with a bit of weird shit because they're looking at you thinking, fucking hell's wrong with this boat. You know, and I love that. I fucking, I love that. And that's, so that's what I try and do at Edinburgh. And I can, some of it works in the clubs, but my main aim is to do something different to free me up, to have fun with it because I want to have as much fun during the month as the audience because Edinburgh can be a really, really tough place. And if you're not enjoying your show, it can be very, it's a very, very long month. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Are you an act that goes there with like one eye on the prizes as such then of the the awards no, and, no, and different things all, no that's all poor all that stuff's pointless that's long gone you know that, you look at the Soho Soho, Soho Theatre have already booked their run they know who's going to be nominated and who isn't and yeah. it's all down to who the agents are going to get behind you know every year there's something from the free fringe which is great but um, you know it's all that's all poor if you come up here thinking that if you come up to Edinburgh thinking oh I'm going to win an award or you're going to make a lot of money, you know, on the free fringe. Because a lot of people do that. They come to the free fringe thinking it's a money-making exercise. If you're coming up there for that, you're coming up for the wrong reasons, I think. Yeah, and, and, and I think very much you can see sometimes from, I guess be careful how I say this, not to alienate 50% of my 50 guests that I've had, um, but <laughs> you can kind of, you can tell a lot by the type of show that a person's taken to Edinburgh, I think as mm -hmm. to maybe what their ambitions are for it. So um, I haven't said this. Some of my other, other guys and girls that I've chatted to have, have kind of, they'll see an act turn up at Edinburgh with something that's completely different to what they'd normally do on the circuit. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like, oh, hang on. Uh, here you go. Sorry, I keep name dropping apologies, but just for a No, but the judges sort of a, will take a look at that in a different yeah. way. Wouldn't yeah, they? and they'll go. They say, this is a festival show. This is the sort of show because there is a difference between a festival show and a and a and a club set. You know, there's no different. There's no doubt about it. I'll get away with stuff here that I wouldn't on the circuit. Stuff yeah. that blows the roof on the circuit won't work here. So I know what you're saying. Um, that yeah, they'll come up here with a show which has got a meaning, got a message, you've got a point, and um, that that will make the panel sit up and take notice because that's what they're looking for. I heard a story the other day. I can't name the comic. He said he come the the a reviewer came in to review his show and it was a great show and she said oh I can't review this because basically you just did stand up for an hour huh. that kind of sums it up right yeah, yeah. That kind of, what's, what's wrong with doing stand up for an hour it's a comedy festival you know what I mean yeah too right man too right and it's I think like you're saying as well though about your kind of wanting to go up that you know and those kind of acts that you were going to see three four years ago and it kind of light bulb moment almost for you of a kind of a, yeah no, actually, I, yeah, fuck it. There's nothing wrong with just wanting to have a good time or just wanting to mm -hmm. make people laugh, you know, and let's explore that and go with it. Is th There's probably like a, a confidence thing linked to that as well. Not that I'd imagine that maybe you'd be someone that would struggle with with confidence, you know, not from your, your whole backstory. I'm you a know. comic. We all struggle with confidence. Well, of course, we're all we're all. <laughs> delicate <laughs> we are. delicate we little are. flowers at the end of the day aren't we that need the yeah. right amount of water and light or we uh 
crumble and it's a, a disaster. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But it's and it doesn't seem to matter their stature or how long they've been going. But but for a lot of people, it's kind of I don't know. You still need to get to a certain amount of confidence before you can fully let loose in that way. Then that you have with the stuff that you're doing and probably have done the last couple of years of just mm-hmm. fuck it. I'm going for it. I'm going to try out all this stuff because I guess at the end of the day, what what stops you as a, a performer from doing that time to time, you know, at, at any time is the thing of, oh, I still want this to potentially get reviewed really well. Or, you, you know, you don't want to sometimes stumble too far off the, the path, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because, you know, people get very, very caught up on reviews up here. You know, and they can have an effect on um, they can have an effect on you away from here because if it's published, that's what comes up when people type your name in. You know, so again, it's a risky business. If you're going to try stuff that you're not going to do at the festival, uh, that you're not going to do on the road, you're going to try stuff at the festival that you're not going to take into the clubs. It's a risky business, but um, but fuck it. You know, I, I, I'm fortunate now. I'm, I've got enough people who know that when they book me because I can deliver, so I don't really have to worry about any of that shit anymore. Um, but uh, because you know, I'm established enough. What I do have to worry about, and this again is one of the cruxes for Edinburgh for me. Every comic should remember this. If you're a paid comic, if you come up here and you come away from this festival with another 15, 20 minutes of solid material, that's your earnings for the next year because bookers will go, he's still, he's still pushing, he's still writing, he's still writing. If you just sit yeah. doing the same 20 minutes and you go back to a club for the third time of that 20 minutes, they're not going to book you anymore. And, you know, and that's, and you can't blame them for that. So again, that's, that's what you've got to be looking at Edinburgh for. If you come up here to Edinburgh thinking I'm going to win a prize, you're wasting your time. If you come up here thinking I'll go away as a better comic, which you undoubtedly will, whether you have a good run or a bad one. But if you come away with 20, 15, 20 minutes of new material, that's what your aim is. Surely. Yeah, because that, then you'll that. carry on getting booked. That's a great fucking tip, that is, I think. And especially for, yeah, you're right about how people get so caught up on the um, on the reviews. I've made sure to speak to, like, lots and lots of, like, new comics as well during this, this series right. so far. You know, of kind of people's first fringes or, you know, they've been going three, four years and it's their first hour show that they're doing and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, and, yeah, remembering that rather than getting... that. The problem is, isn't it? You, you're right that that reviews then out there. So you get, you get a. I, I can say it. You don't need to, but um, you know, like a, a one or two star on Chortle or something like that. Um, the the danger is it might be eight or nine years until Chortle review you again. So yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the review that sits on a website that an awful lot of people go to within comedy, you know, and that's stuck there. So yeah, I get why people do get so caught up on it, but. But no, that's what you've just said is it hasn't sort of really, you know, struck me before. But yeah, of course, use it for mm-hmm. that because there's this is one month out of the year and you've got 11 months then of trying to pay the mortgage and yeah. everything else, haven't you? This is your writing month. The reviews were not a good few years ago now. I think it was I think it was 2007. I did an hour about when I got busted um but after being under surveillance and what happened to me arrested and all this sort of stuff and um i was getting four star reviews on that and still people come up to me now other comics say they reckon it's one of the best shows they've seen whether it was or not i don't know cop stick come in and saw it she gave me a one star right and at the end and at the end she just went 
interesting but not funny because cop sticks out to make her own name anyway yeah of course yeah but um but that goes back to that was definitely something she she looked at me she saw my accent she knew or heard my accent she knew what my background and she just thought i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck this bloke. yeah and at the end of every show i'd say i've got one star for this of cop stick in the crowd yeah. like, how can that be you know what i mean because elsewhere i was getting fours but that's that stuck that one star you know what I mean? yeah so because it, it just did but, but so you just get to the point where you go, oh, these people are nothing. They don't mean nothing. They're, they're the people who, who don't, who've never had the balls to do it themselves. You know, it's just, they're just pointless. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely well, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few that are. There's a few that are pointless. I mean, Steve Bennett is, again, yeah. there's another one. He's, he's, you know, just get up and do it, mate, and let's see, see if you understand what the business is really about. Yeah, it's, it, it is... I've been reading reviews from this year where um, they've actually, and some have been on Chaucer as well, I'm not sure if they were written by Steve or not, but where um, they've acknowledged how much the crowd is laughing, but that have then deconstructed it themselves as to why they didn't like it, hence mm -hmm. why the shit star rating that they've given it. But they've fully acknowledged, a yeah. couple of times I've seen it, that, you know, oh, the the audience they attracted seemed to find this funny, but, you know, and it is yeah. this fucking snobbery or, or something about that, isn't there, or class-based to it, or or something going on under the the level of, or, like you said, just trying to fucking come up with something different to say because it's the 20th show they've seen that day or something, and it's... Yeah, well, again, there's a prime example. I've The last time he, Steve, reviewed me, I've got, it was it's a very good review. Yeah, so you know, so this, this isn't built on that. I've got a good review. No. He hasn't reviewed me for years, but he reviewed me up here once for saying, "Oh, Brimson can usually be found uh, peddling his stuff to stags and hens at Jonglers at the weekend." And I rang him and I said, "Have you ever seen me live before today?" And he went, "No." And I went, "Well, how can you say that peddling my stuff at places?" He went, "Well, that's where you play a lot." And I went, "Everyone plays." Well, look, let's jump in. If you, yeah, um, to the the other stuff that you you're up to at the, the moment. And, and again, like I, I said it right at the start, didn't I? It's sort of like we could, we could go through and look at the different stuff that you're doing and, and your stand-up show, you know, the, the life coaching one would be like for a lot of people like, yeah, that's great. That's enough for me to be doing. But you've got a one-man show up there uh, called Naughty Boy mm -hmm. and that is absolutely fucking smashing it, isn't it? That is like, what, you're up to your third five-star review now on that? Yeah, it's um, it's it's exceeded expectations of it. I've never done anything like it before. Um, you know, it's a, I've never done a play before, especially a one-man play. Uh, I've never acted in that way before. As I say, all the acting I've done before has been sort of little bit parts, apart from that film in Brighton. So this is a real departure, I and mean, it's not comedy in any way, shape, or form. It's very heavy. It's very violent. Um, but it seems to be it's it's gone down very very well. So it, as my, my whole point of doing it was one to see if I could do it. Two, I wanted some people to come and go, wow, I didn't realise he had that side to him. And um, and most importantly, that the writing was good. And that seems yeah. to be people seem people seem to like the writing that's getting, which is great because I will now release this as a as a audio book. That'll be my first thing after Edinburgh. I'll record the audio book of it. Will you give us, a, for people that like haven't read up on it or not up in Edinburgh or, or even they are up there, but haven't, haven't seen it themselves. What's the uh, sort of the premise to the naughty boy show? It's, it's a show about nature nurture. Um, it's a hedonistic stuff. We start and it starts in an institution with a character. Then we go on this hedonistic weekend away 
and then there's this conclusion at the end where you where you you kind of leaves it hanging so it leaves a lot of questions as to where the character is and it's just a mindset of a violent man and this notion what bothers me a bit at the moment is that everybody seems to be given an excuse for their bad behavior they've either got this or that or something happened to them and sometimes it seems to me to just be over the top everybody's got a way out and this guy in this in this acknowledges that but he plays the game to get himself out of a, of a situation. And so it's about that, really. And it's like sometimes there are no excuses. Some people are just bad, you know, and get used to it. So that's the premise. It's quite, it's quite heavy. It's quite yeah, heavy no, for, no, for, I... for 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's not a kid. Not, not a kid's show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah but... No, so the, the language is choice. The language and everything about it is very full on. But it's great fun to do. It's incredible fun. and so different from stand-up. I mean, when the, my first show here, preview, was um, there was just three people in, but it didn't matter at all. It right. doesn't matter at all because you, you're in, you're doing something totally different. It's not, you know, there's no interaction. You're not chasing the laughs. There are laughs in it. There's there's a few laughs in it, but it's, it goes to very deep at the end. So is it? Is there any sort of autobiographical elements to it? Because you know, your first time writing it, you, you've you've got this from somewhere. You know, you pulled this amazing story together from somewhere. Uh, there's bits and bobs of it, um, and, and I suppose the element one of the things is that you know, I, I'm I think I'm quite a normal bloke, but when I was younger, I was a, I was a real asshole. You know, I could I had the potential to be at the weekends to really be a, a, the sort of person you'd look at and go, what, what an utter arsehole of a human being, you know, but away from that, I'd like to think myself as quite a good bloke back then, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there is that. And, um, you know, nowadays people would pr- probably try, I, I could probably say, Oh, well, I had this, I had that, I had this. When in reality, I didn't, you know, I've turned out quite a normal bloke. There was nothing wrong with me, you know, I was just a, I was just a kid growing up. who was a little bit rough and ready, and, and liked liked tearing it up at the weekends, you know. Um, so there's the elements of that. There's a few little stories in there, bits and bobs that uh, I've incorporated. Um, some other bits that I that obviously that I've just come from nowhere on the writing. Uh, the books are even the books very heavy, but there's a, there's also a lot more humour in the book as well. But there's some much more darker, heavier parts because I originally wrote it as a film score a film, right. film script then d- condensed it down to the book and then just thought this might be something to do as a one-man play at edinburgh and um could i do, do am i prepared to put the effort in and try it out and i thought yeah fuck it i'll have a go at it and it's paid off it's been it's been fantastic fun yeah and I, I don't know potentially is this kind of the most rewarding thing that you've done because of the way that it's come together um i love yeah it's just for people to have other people go mate that's that's quality that's really you know it's you know that is your ego kicks in a little bit there you want it to be good i don't think i'm that egotistical uh, other people might disagree with me i'm quite a, uh, I, but just just to know that you can do something i love writing right I, I absolutely love writing i love writing dialogue i'm quite good at writing dark stuff there's a lot of social comment in it because I'm, you know, I'm very sort of very, very left in my outlook on the world. Uh, uh, so there's a lot of that in it, them and us. 
in there in the play. So just to have that acknowledged, it's, yeah, it's been very very rewarding. And yeah, and but, and I I don't think it's egotistical at all, mate. I think I think it's quite natural amongst well, pretty much most human beings. But but certainly if you're of the type of nature that you get up on stage at a weekend, then you know it's 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 quite normal to want I think recognition for what you you know for the risks that you take constantly by by doing that you know creatively mentally financially everything else you know mm-hmm. it's one of the nice reasons when you get someone go yeah you're fucking good at that that it it means more than it's some of someone just saying that doesn't it it sort of um it justifies a lot of the decisions you've made over the years you know yeah. to go oh right thank god yeah because you completely question yourself you know if you're like any other performer of you know constantly kind of is this the right thing is that any good and etc mm. but but I, I think there's definitely something in there and and this is why you know the, the the most annoying thing about you eddie might just be that everything you do you seem to be really fucking good at it <laughs> because it i i think a lot of comedians have that in them when and and, it, and it's proven by the number of comedians who at some point want to do something serious they want to do serious acting they want to go into the theater they want to you know they'll just turn up in a film randomly won't they in a serious role and uh-huh. whenever they're interviewed and they talk about it it's about yeah, that kind of, I wanted to prove I could do it. I wanted to show people that it was more than a clown, someone dicking around on mm. stage, you know, four or five nights a week, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, well, we're creative people, aren't we? And, you know, you want to, as creative people, you want to create stuff that will bring enjoyment to other people. You know, that's, that's you, you want to create stuff, not just for yourself, but for other people to enjoy. And, you know, and when they when you realise oh they do enjoy that, that's that that's the reward, isn't it? You know, whether, yeah. it's, whether it's a joke or or a bit of theatre like this or writing. I mean, there's been some you know, Queeve McDonald gone on to write his books, he's really inspirational. David Johns, the what he's done is incredibly in, inspirational. You know, so all this stuff is is yeah, you, you wanna see that and you wanna see other people doing other stuff as well. It's a challenge. It's 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 good to push yourself and challenge yourself, I think. Yeah, and and do you is this going to open up like a another door? Do you think on? Uh, you might not want to say too much at this stage, but I wouldn't be too surprised if you got people talking to you about this show and what you can uh, do with it. From here. no one has no one has as yet, and I'm um, trying to get someone trying to get the right agent through the door is. Um, but hopefully that will come. If it doesn't happen here, I'll, I'll put some stuff together to try and make it happen afterwards. Um, I've been approached to take it on tour which yeah. would be incredible i'd love to do that so we'll see about that one and then um i wouldn't mind doing a bit more acting but also the writing is very important to me i'd love to get i'd love to get another book out and get another i'd love to get this book out and for it to do okay that's my that's going to be my main focus after the festival get the book audio book version of it done and then um and then there's another i've got another couple i could do after that i'm ready to do another couple so that would be exciting Awesome man. No, it 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 does all. Yeah, it 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 all sounds great. And I, I think the sort of the the lazy chortle review of your career would be to say that it's just from like hard graft, you know, because your your accent and your mannerisms and stuff like that, you know, do come a show. I think in a in a true way, in a positive way, the fact that you decide you want to do something and you go for it, but. There's absolutely no way that you'll be achieving the stuff that you're doing and coming up with 
with the naughty boy, you know, the the uh, the stage play there, which the yeah the reviews and the responses to it. Um, I mean, for people listening, even if you you're not going to get to Edinburgh this year, just have a Google of that and look at it, and you sort of you know, there's people talking about days later they're still thinking about it and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, that must is a that must have you absolutely buzzing, mate. So there's clearly that combination of hard graft, but I don't know natural talent for that kind of thing. You know, no, it, 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 it that's very be. kind. It's very kind of you to say so, mate. So uh, that see that, that that's why you do it to, for people to say things like that. You know, if it, as long as people are enjoying what you've done, um, that's why that's why we do what we do, don't we? So, yeah, yeah, so it's it very kind of. No, no, yeah, that's cool. And uh, you know, I'm not just saying it because you know earlier I said that you're a bit annoying, and uh, you know, and like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, everyone can tell this is a telephone interview, by the way, that we're doing today. Yeah, but know, I can find that. out where you live, mate. Don't worry. Oh, mate, it'd be it'd be very. <laughs> I had to put that at the end. I was just. Uh, <laughs> my, wife, my wife's packing the bags for the two little kids already. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> Look. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant talking to you t- today eddie and thanks for taking the time out of um yeah what is a, a, a really good run for you up at the the fringe you know and i'm buzzing for you on that mate that it's uh yeah turning out to be such a great one for you uh, are there any tickets left for naughty boy still is there yeah naughty boy yeah i'll tell you what a play is a hard sell man um so yeah there's, there's tickets there's tickets available uh the stand-ups getting rammed every night and that's the most fun i've ever had up here as a stand-up this show um so usually that you can buy you can get a ticket for that in advance or risk coming on the door but that's that's getting rammed for some reason i don't know people are buying into that one as well this year but um yeah naughty boy this tickets available but uh uh but yeah do come down it's, it's yeah. really it's really good fun cool. to do. G- give us in your words mate the venue and the times then for the naughty boy show naughty boy is at the patter house which is gilded bloom on chambers street at quarter past three and life coaching for our souls is down at the beehive uh, on grass market at quarter past eight every day. Awesome, man. Well, what I'll do as I always do and always say at the end of these is in the show, show notes on the podcast, just scroll down wherever you're listening now and there'll be all the links to your website and social media, but then also direct links to get tickets for both of the shows of Eddie's up at the fringe as well. Um, yeah. If you're up there, do it. And, and it sounds like, and, and this would be amazing for me because then I'll I'll stand a chance to see it as well. Of uh, yeah, if that tour kicks off, then mate, then I'll uh, I'll definitely be coming coming along to one of those as well. Right, Give mate. me a chance to see it then. But uh, no, thanks so much, mate. It's uh, yeah, fascinating chat and uh, such a, a varied background, so many different things. But uh, no, I've loved it. Thanks very much for your time. It's been it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks for your time as well. And whoever's up here, if you're up here and you're still doing the fringe, you're gonna get better as a comic. You're gonna come out of this better. No matter how your run's going, you will come out better. Yeah, most definitely, man. It's uh, doesn't have to be this year that you crack it, does it? It could be at any point. So it's just uh, yeah, keep learning and keep going on. Oh, now there's definitely. a whole there's a whole different there's a whole different discussion about what cracking it means. Yeah, if okay. you're making well, a living as a comic, you have cracked it. Believe me. Yeah, doesn't mean right. telly. Right. cool. Well, we do that right. one next. We we'll do that one yeah. next time. Thanks, Eddie. All the have best, done, my friend. Have, have some good shows today. Cheers, mate. Cheers, fella. Thank you. Bye, bye. So there we go. I hope you have enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed chatting with Eddie. I mean, yeah, what a what a lovely guy 
to start with a really really nice guy so natural to talk to great with his words really open and honest with so much stuff there um but yeah clearly creating some absolutely amazing work at the moment and to think that you can do so much in a career so much in a life and then still get to edinburgh festival 2019 with a one-man theater show and absolutely smash it out the park you know it should be inspiration to absolutely everyone out there listening that at any point your thing might come to you your your defining moment your crowning moment could just be there around the corner um and it's not something he expected to be doing but it looks like it is going to be opening up not just a few doors but some completely different doors that he didn't even know were on that corridor of life so yeah a, a great episode thank you so much eddie uh thank you for your your generosity with your time and your conversation there look um you, you can check out his stuff if you're up at edinburgh still uh, please do make the attempt to get along so his one man fear to play is naughty boy the links are in the show notes obviously to the venue to the tickets uh, and some more information on that as well you've then got his stand-up show uh, seeing him doing what he has done for a long time now and what he is absolutely brilliant at as well you can see him doing his stand-up at the show life coaching for assholes and again all the information is in the notes for it um yeah that, that's about it really for this episode but give eddie a follow online you won't be disappointed there's a, a ton of stuff on his social media that's, that's really really interesting see where he's playing next what he's up to and keep an eye out for that tour as i will be doing so myself look before i say goodbye you know the usual ask that i have just give us a follow really that, that's a massive thing that we're asking for at the moment give us a follow on social media just search at pullback reveal uh, you can find us on twitter and facebook and we now have a youtube channel which slowly all the little trailer the teaser uh, videos that you may have seen on social media are being added to and very soon there is going to be some brand new content on that as well and probably if not all at least a selection of some of the best episodes that we've done on here some little videos made for them as well and look wherever you listen to the show if you enjoy it please do give us five stars if it will let you give us a subscribe uh, give us a positive review all those little bits just nudge us every single time someone does it it just nudges us that couple of steps higher up the staircase um, to making us a bit more prevalent a few more people can find us and as i've always said you know the the bigger this gets the, the more i can put into it really but uh, i'm buzzed guys i'm absolutely loving it eddie was as i mentioned in the show the 50th comedian that we've had on who is appearing at this year's edinburgh festival and we're not even been going a couple of months yet so thanks so much for all your support and thank you especially especially to all the acts that have given up their time to us and uh, speaking to little old me about their careers and their stand-up comedy uh, stay safe out there everyone look out there's more bonus episodes coming this week ed fringe is nearly at an end but i've I've spoken about that a couple of times before about what will be coming up but I will chat about that some more in the near future as well thanks so much and thanks once again to Eddie Brimson take care bye bye